You're listening to Pastor Stephen G. Lightfoot's podcast, Sermons and Homilies by the Reverend Stephen G. Lightfoot. Pastor Stephen is an ordained elder in the Global Methodist Church and serves as senior pastor to First Methodist Church Splendora and Shepherd Methodist Church in Southeast Texas. Here is today's episode. And so in our continuing discussion about identity, about our true God-given identity as followers of Jesus Christ, we come upon questions. Questions that if we pause and reflect on, on them long enough, give us valuable information about who we are in truth about our identity as God created us to be, not as the world sees us, but through the eyes of Creator God. Who are we? And so the first of the questions that I want to talk about this morning comes to us from our gospel lesson from Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. You have a version of it in your bulletin. I'm reading from the New American Standard Bible, so it's a little bit different, but I think that the words are close enough to where you can follow along. And the first question, Jesus asked Simon Peter in this gospel account, he asked Peter, who do you say that I am? Listen to what Matthew writes. Now, when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And Jesus said to them, but who do you yourselves say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overpower. it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Then he gave the disciples strict orders that they were to tell no one that he was the Christ. So in this passage of Scripture, Jesus first asks his disciples their perceptions of what people are saying about him. And it's not that Jesus wants to know what the gossip about him is. It's not that Jesus has any vanity at all about his popularity among the people, but rather Jesus wants to know his disciples' perceptions of the people's ideas of who he is so that he can correct any of the misconceptions that have arisen about him. And so the disciples tell him, some say that you're John the Baptist, some say that you're Elijah, 
Still others say that you're Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so clearly the people's perception of Jesus is inadequate. And so Jesus asked his disciples directly, who do you say that I am? Now, when I read that, that really begs the question of, of all of us, doesn't it? Who do you say Jesus is? Is Jesus merely a prophet to you? Is, is Jesus just a historical figure to you? Is Jesus just a teacher to you or just a man who did some really good stuff back in the day? Do you allow Jesus access to the inner parts of your heart and give over your self-interest, your self-righteousness, your self-centeredness to him and allow him the positions of first and center in your life? Who do you say that I am? Jesus is asking all of us because how we answer that question has consequences has ramifications in eternity and so Simon Peter jumped in first as he often did answering Jesus's question you are the Christ the son of the living God see Peter if you were to read the original Greek text acknowledges Jesus as Christos the Christ the Messiah it's the first time in the Gospel of Matthew that anyone in Jesus's circle in any of the audience that he has spoken to thus far. That's the first time that they have referred to him as Christ, as Messiah. And so Peter further identifies Jesus as the son of the living God. Which tells us that Jesus is identified by Peter as divine, as having a unique relationship with God the Father. See, Peter's understanding of Jesus' true character and nature demonstrate that Peter knows exactly whom it is that he is following. It's good to know who you're following. It's good to have assessed who it is that you're following. So we too have to respond to Jesus's question, don't we? Who do you say that I am? We have to respond to it in a manner similar to Peter if we ever hope to realize who we are, our own true identity. We have to know who Christ is before we can ever know who we are. If we ever hope to live into who God created us to be, if we ever hope to discover who God says we are, we had better know who Jesus is. Now, Jesus's response to Peter is remarkable. When Peter gives his answer to the question, who do you say that I am? Jesus's response to Peter's answer is noteworthy. Let me read it to you from the message version. Jesus says, God bless you, Simon, son of Jonah. You didn't get that answer out of books or from teachers. 
my father in heaven, God himself, let you in on this secret of who I really am. And now I'm going to tell you who you really are. You are Peter, a rock. This is the rock on which I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. And that's not all, Peter. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom, keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth, earth and heaven. A yes on earth is yes in heaven. A no on earth is no in heaven. Through Jesus, God is bridging the gap between heaven and earth, between God and man. Because Jesus is the bridge. As a matter of fact, say to your neighbor, Jesus is the bridge. Jesus is the bridge. If you take nothing out of those doors when we leave here, after you go to Sunday school, if you take nothing away, understand that Jesus is the bridge between God and man, between heaven and earth. The blessing we receive when we acknowledge that Jesus is Lord is like that given to Peter. We get the divine revelation into Jesus's identity and into our own identity. We get the freedom to live as God intended us to live. We become the rock of faith, members of the body of Christ, the church, and not even the gates of hell will hold back the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ as the church tears down, obliterates the strongholds of the devil, the strongholds of hell and sin and death. It behooves us to know who it is we're following. The second question that defines us comes to us from John's gospel, the 21st chapter, verses 15 through 19. Jesus once again is asking Peter a question. And the question this time is, do you love me? That's an interesting question. I have pondered this particular passage of scripture for many years because the answer to that question, do you love me, is both an opportunity for us, depending on how we answer it, and a revelation to us. Let me explain. One day, uh, a few years ago, I was studying God's word and, and I heard a whisper. What scripture calls a, a thin, sheer silence that can be heard. And, and the Holy Spirit told me that obedience is essential, not only to ministry, but in life as well. And that I should practice obedience in order to become proficient in it. You see, my life before Jesus was anything but obedient. Anybody ever been there? Or is it just me? Practice obedience so that you get proficient at being obedient. 
Obedience is submission to the authority and will of God. God demands obedience of us, not for us to prove to God that we can be obedient, but for God to show us that in his strength, we have the ability to be obedient. Why is that even important? See, our reliance on God through obedience to his word and his will leads us to the revelation of our purpose and our calling in this life. Let me say that again. Our reliance on God, if you're taking notes, through obedience to his word, the Bible, and his will, which is revealed to us in his word, that leads us to the revelation of our own purpose God's purpose for us and our calling in this life. Before God's willing to place a blessing of a calling, a purpose in your life, you've got to be good at being obedient. I know, I know. darn it. Because obedience is not easy when you're all about you. Obedience becomes easier when you give yourself up and be all about him. For me personally, my call to lead God's people as a pastor came in, in midlife. It, it came at a point in my life where I had had ample time and opportunity to fall ridiculously short of the glory of God. Those high standards that God has for us as he created us to be my life before Christ is a testimony to the demons of selfishness, pride, and disobedience. Now, I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. I'm just saying to you that there is a point in time when we have to make a choice. Are we going to be all about us or are we going to be about God's purpose and plan for us? If you knew me before, you might say that I've accumulated vast life experience in my years. That's a nice way to put it. There's not much I haven't seen. And let's just say that my life before Christ was well practiced in sinfulness. Is that, is that, can I say that? And as a result, knowing that that's my default setting... I must constantly control my soul so that it doesn't default back to its original setting, that of sinful man. We all have that default setting, by the way. The person that keeps me from hitting that default button is the Holy Spirit. See, the, the Holy Spirit holds my sinful soul in check. Left to my own devices, I'm not capable of avoiding the default setting of sinfulness. Keeping my soul in check requires practicing obedience. Obedience is an action word. The more I practice it, the better I get at it, and the more natural it feels. And as I was beginning to realize my call to ministry, God broke into my consciousness and he said, let me show you that you can be obedient. 
Let me show you that you that your call to ministry is valid and that by grace I have made you worthy despite your life's history. Let me show you that life is love and repentance and obedience, not what you were doing before. Life is love and repentance and obedience, and it only comes to us when we say yes to Jesus. And so when I heard that still small voice, I responded with the question, why me, Lord? Who am I? And that same still small voice, that same sheer silence answered my questions with a question. And the question was, do you love me? Isn't that interesting that all of this comes down to that question? All of our questions in life come down to that one question that Jesus asks each of us individually by name. Jesus asks you, do you love me? See, the, the gospel of John unlocks many things for us about Jesus and his ministry. We should look to it as a model for our own ministry. What do you mean, Pastor? I'm not a minister. Oh, yes, you are. You are a minister of the faith. Having said yes to Jesus, he gave you a mandate, did he not? Go and make disciples. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them all that I have commanded you. And so we should look at the model that Jesus gave us in his ministry as the model for our own ministry. In this 21st chapter, Jesus asked Simon Peter that very same question. Listen to what, uh, listen to what the scripture says about that. Now, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than thee? Simon said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Simon said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. It's an interesting account. If you know Simon Peter's story, then you know this about Simon Peter. Peter's name, Petros, means the rock. And Peter's faith in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit was the foundation upon which Christ built the church. We just read that in Matthew 16, didn't we? And you also know that Peter, when questioned as to whether or not he was a follower of Jesus, 
as Jesus was on trial and being crucified, Peter denied Christ how many times? Three. It's significant then that Jesus allows Peter three opportunities to affirm his love for Christ and thus gives him three opportunities to redeem each and every time he denied Jesus. And when I think of that in the context of my own past, when I think of that, I can't help but to get slightly emotional about Jesus's forgiveness. Because Jesus gives us, you and me and Peter, as as much forgiveness, as much grace and mercy as we need to cover each and every transgression we have perpetrated against him. Each and every time, Jesus has enough forgiveness to cover those transgressions. See, Peter knew he wasn't worthy of shepherding the people of God. He knew he was not equipped for the job. Of his own merit, he was not qualified. He knew he had fallen short. But Jesus asked The question, do you love me? And with that question, Peter was able to respond with a yes that canceled out all of his transgressions. See, when we say yes to Jesus, it wipes the slate clean. Thanks be to God. So Peter took his redemption and went on to do great things for the kingdom. In that same way, I will take my redemption. You can take your redemption and use that redemption to do great things for the kingdom of God. As as long as we continue to say yes to Jesus's question, do you love me? Then he will continue to say to us, lead my people, tend my sheep. Shepherd my sheep. You see, with that redemption, we can go where he sends us out of obedience, out of love for him. How many times? Something to think about. How many times have you in your actions, your thoughts, your words denied Christ? Mm. How many times? How many times, even as a follower of Jesus, have you fallen back to your default setting, to your old self, your old ways, your worldview identity? How many times? But then thanks be to God that Jesus gives us each time we deny him, each time we fall short, the opportunity to answer the question, do you love me? Because, brothers and sisters, when we answer him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, then he always, without fail, faithfully responds to us, feed my sheep. In other words, he says to us, I trust you. I believe in you. I'm here for you. Keep 
going. Don't stop doing the work of the kingdom. Because I am with you, he says, every step of the way. Even to the end of the age, he says, because this is who you were created to be. This is your true identity. You are a child. If you're taking notes, even if they're mental notes, this is your true identity. You are a child of the living God. The most high God, the one true God. You get in the picture? And as a child of the one true God, you have, through Jesus Christ, sacred value and sacred worth. Write that down. Matter of fact, say to your neighbor, I have sacred value. I have sacred worth. One more. I am a child of the one true God. Absolutely you are. And here's the other part of it. You are absolutely loved by him. No exceptions. No matter how many transgressions. No matter how many thoughts you had about other drivers on the way here this morning. No matter. Jesus responds to you when you say yes to him with the question, do you love me? Yes, Jesus, you know that I love you. I trust you. I'm here for you. I love you. Feed my sheep. Those two questions tell you who you are in Christ. When you answer them, acknowledging who Jesus is and acknowledging who you are in him. Those answers echo in eternity. A yes here on earth, remember, is a yes in heaven. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Come back again next week for a new message. And until then, may God bless you and keep you.